Act One of The Tragedy of Macbeth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Tragedy of Macbeth by William Shakespeare. Act One, Scene One A Desert Place. Thunder and Lightning. Enter Three Witches. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain. When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won. That will be ere the set of sun. Where the place? Upon the heath. There to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grimalkin. Paddock calls. Anon. Fair, fair is foul, and, and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Two, A Camp Near Forest. Alarm within. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donalbain, Lennox, with attendants, meeting a bleeding sergeant. What bloody man is that? He can report, as seemeth by his plight, of the revolt, the newest state. This is the sergeant who, like a good and hardy soldier, fought against my captivity. Hail, brave friend! Say to the king the knowledge of the broil as thou didst leave it. Doubtful it stood, as two spent swimmers that do cling together and choke their art. The merciless MacDonald, worthy to be a rebel, fought that the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him. From the western isles of kerns and gallow-glasses is supplied, and fortune, on his damned quarrel smiling, showed like a rebel's whore but all's too weak for brave macbeth well he deserves that name disdaining fortune with his brandished steel which smoked with bloody execution like valor's minion carved out his passage till he faced the slave which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him till he unseamed him from the knave to the chaps and fixed his head upon our battlements o oh, valiant cousin worthy gentleman as whence the sun gins his reflection shipwrecking storms and direful thunders break so from that spring whence comfort seems to come discomfort swells mark king of scotland mark no sooner justice had with valour armed compelled these skipping kerns to trust their heels but the norwayan lord surveying vantage with furbished arms and new supplies of men began a fresh assault tis made not this our captains macbeth and banquo <laughs> yes as sparrows eagles or the hare the lion if i so sooth i must report they were as cannons overcharged with double cracks so they doubly redoubled strokes upon the foe except they meant to bathe in reeking wounds or memorize another golgotha i cannot tell but i am faint my gashes cry for help so will thy words become thee as thy wounds they smack of honour both go get him surgeons exit sergeant attended who comes here enter ross the worthy thane of ross what a haste looks through his eyes 
So should he look. That seems to speak things strange. God save the king. Whence camest thou, worthy thane? From Fife, great king, where the Norwayan banners flout the sky and fan our people cold. Norway himself, with terrible numbers, assisted by that most disloyal traitor, the Thane of Cawdor, began a dismal conflict, till that Bologna's bridegroom, lapped in proof, confronted him with self-comparisons, point against point, rebellious, arm against arm, curving his lavish spirit, and to conclude, the victory fell on us. Great happiness! That now, Sveno, the Norway's king, craves composition. Nor would we deign him burial of his men till he disbursed at St. Colm's Inch ten thousand dollars to our general use. No more that thane of Cawdor shall deceive our bosom interest. Go, pronounce his present death, and with his former title greet Macbeth. I'll see it done. What he hath lost, noble Macbeth hath won. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Three. A Heath Near Forest. Thunder. Enter the three witches. Where hast thou been, sister? Killing swine. Sister, where thou? A sailor's wife had chestnuts in her lap, and munched and munched and munched. Give me, quoth I, a roin to thee, witch, the rump-fed runyon cries. Her husband's to Aleppo gone, master of the tiger. But in a sieve I'll thither sail, and like a rat without a tail, I'll do, I'll do, and I'll do. I'll give thee a wind. Thou art kind. And I another. I myself have all the other, and the very ports they blow, all the quarters that they know. I the shipman's card. I will drain him dry as hay. Sleep shall neither night nor day hang upon his penthouse lid. He shall live a man forbid. Weary seven nights, nine times nine, shall he dwindle peak and pine. Though his bark cannot be lost, yet it shall be tempest-tossed. Look what I have. Show me, show me. Here I have a pilot's thumb. Wrecked his homeward, he did come. Drum within. A drum, a drum, Macbeth doth come. The, the weird, weird sisters, sisters hand, hand in hand, posters of the sea and land, land. thus to go about, about, thrice to thine, and thrice to mine, and thrice again to make up nine. Peace, the, the charms wound up. Enter Macbeth and Banquo. So foul and fair a day I have not seen. How far is called to fours? What are these, so withered and so wild in their attire, that look not like the inhabitants of the earth, and yet are on't? Live you, or are you aught that man may question? You seem to understand me by each at once her chappy finger laying upon her skinny lips. You should be women, and yet your beards forbid me to interpret that you are so. Speak, if you can, what are you? All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Glamis. All hail Macbeth, hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor. All hail Macbeth, thou shalt be king hereafter. Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear things that do sound so fair? In the name of truth, are ye fantastical, or that indeed which outwardly ye show? My noble partner you greet with present grace and great prediction of noble having and of royal hope, that he seems rapt with all. To me you speak not. If you can look into the seeds of time, and say which grain will grow and which will not, speak them to me, who neither beg nor fear your favours nor your hate. Hail. 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 
lesser than Macbeth, and greater. Not so happy, yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. So I'll hail Macbeth and Banquo. Banquo and Macbeth, I'll hail. Stay, you imperfect speakers, tell me more. By Sinal's death I know I am Thane of Glamis. But how of Cotter? The Thane of Cotter lives, prosperous gentleman, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief no more than to be Cotter. Say from whence you owe this strange intelligence. Or why upon this blasted heath you stop our way with such prophetic greeting? Speak, I charge you. Witches vanish. The earth hath bubbles as the water has, and these are of them. Whither are they vanished? Into the air, and what seemed corporal melted as breath into the wind. Would they had stayed. Were such things here as we do speak about? Or have we eaten on the insane root that takes reason prisoner? Your children shall be kings. You shall be king. And Thane of Cotter too. Went it not so? To the self-same tune and words. Who's here? Enter Ross and Angus. The king hath happily received, Macbeth, the news of thy success. And when he reads thy personal venture in the rebels' fight, his wonders and his praises do contend which should be thine or his. Silenced with that, in viewing o'er the rest of the self-same day, he finds thee in the stout Norwayan ranks, nothing afeard of what thyself didst make, strange images of death. As thick as hail came post with post, and every one did bear thy praises in his kingdom's great defence, and poured them down before him. We are sent to give thee from our royal master thanks, only to herald thee into his sight, not pay thee. And, for an earnest of a greater honour, he bade me from him call thee Thane of Cawdor, in which addition hail, most worthy Thane, for it is thine. What? Can the devil speak true? The Thane of Cawdor lives. Why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Who was the Thane lives yet. But under heavy judgment bears that life, which he deserves to lose, whether he was combined with those of Norway, or did line the rebel with hidden help and vantage or that with both he laboured in his country's wreck, I know not, but treason's capital, confessed and proved, have overthrown him. Aside. Glamis and Thane of Cawdor, the greatest is behind. To Ross and Angus. Thanks for your pains. To Banquo. Do you not hope your children shall be kings, when those that gave the Thane of Cawdor to me promised no less to them? That trusted home might yet enkindle you unto the crown, besides the thane of Cordor. But tis strange, and oftentimes to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles, to betray us in deepest consequence. Cousins, a word, I pray you. Aside. Two truths are told, as happy prologues to the swelling act of the imperial theme. I thank you, gentlemen. Aside. This supernatural soliciting cannot be ill, cannot be good. If ill, why hath it given me earnest of success, commencing in a truth? I am fain of Cotter. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion whose horrid image doth unfix my hair and make my seated heart knock at my ribs against the use of nature? Present fears are less than horrible imaginings. My thought— 
whose murder yet is but fantastical, shakes so my single state of man, that function is smothered in surmise, and nothing is but what is not. Look how our partner's rapt. Aside. If chance will have me king, why, chance may crown me without my stir. New horrors come upon him like our strange garments, cleave not to their mould, but with the aid of use. Aside. Come what come may. Time and the hour runs through the roughest day. Worthy Macbeth, we stay upon your leisure. Give me your favour. My dull brain was wrought with things forgotten. Kind gentlemen, your pains are registered where every day I turn the leaf to read them. Let us toward the king. Think upon what hath chanced, and at more time, the interim having waited, let us speak our free hearts each to other. Very gladly. Till then, enough. Come, friends. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Four, Forest, the Palace. Flourish. Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donalbane, Lennox, and attendants. Is execution done on Cawdor? Are not those in commission yet returned? My liege, they are not yet come back. But I have spoke with one that saw him die who did report that very frankly he confessed his treasons, implored your highness pardon, and set forth a deep repentance. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving it. He died as one that had been studied in his death to throw away the dearest thing he owed as twere a careless trifle. There's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. He was a gentleman on whom I built an absolute trust. Enter Macbeth, Banquo, Ross, and Angus. O oh, worthiest cousin! The sin of my ingratitude even now is heavy on me. Thou art so far before that swiftest wing of recompense is slow to overtake thee. Would thou hadst less deserved, that the proportion both of thanks and payment might have been mine, only I have left to say, more is thy due than more than all can pay. The service and the loyalty I owe, in doing it, pays itself. Your Highness's part is to receive our duties, and our duties are to your throne and state children and servants, which do but what they should, by doing everything safe toward your love and honour. Welcome hither. I have begun to plant thee, and will labour to make thee full of growing. Noble Banquo, thou hast no less deserved, nor must be known no less to have done so, let me enfold thee and hold thee to my heart. There if I grow, the harvest is your own. My plenteous joys, wanton in fullness, seek to hide themselves in drops of sorrow. Sons, kinsmen, thanes, and you whose places are the nearest, know we will establish our estate upon our eldest, Malcolm, whom we name hereafter the Prince of Cumberland which honour must not unaccompanied invest him only, but signs of nobleness, like stars, shall shine on all deservers. From hence to Inverness, and bind us further to you. The rest is labour, which is not used for you. I'll be myself the harbinger, and make joyful the hearing of my wife with your approach. So humbly take my leave. My worthy Cawdor. Aside. The Prince of Cumberland. That is a step on which I must fall down, or else o'er leap, for in my way it lies. 
stars, hide your fires, let not light see my black and deep desires. The eye wink at the hand, yet let that be which the eye fears when it is done to see. Exit. True, worthy Banquo, he is full so valiant, and in his commendations I am fed, it is a banquet to me. Let's after him, whose care is gone before to bid us welcome. It is a peerless kinsman. Flourish. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Five. Inverness, Macbeth's Castle. Enter Lady Macbeth, reading a letter. They met me in the day of success, and I have learned by the perfectest report they have more in them than mortal knowledge. When I burned in desire to question them further, they made themselves air, into which they vanished. Whilst I stood rapt in the wonder of it, came missives from the king, who all hailed me Thane of Cawdor, by which title before these weird sisters saluted me, and referred me to the coming on of time with, Hail, king that shalt be! This have I thought good to deliver thee, my dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightst not lose the dues of rejoicing, by being ignorant of what greatness has promised thee. Lay it to thy heart, and farewell. Glams thou art, and Cawdor, and shalt be what thou art promised. Yet do I fear thy nature. It is too full of the milk of human kindness to catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great, art not without ambition, but without the illness should attend it. What thou wouldst highly, that wouldst thou holily. Wouldst not play false, and yet wouldst wrongly win. Thou'dst have, great glams, that which cries, Thus thou must do, if thou have it and that which rather thou dost fear to do, than wish should be undone. Hie thee hither, that I may pour my spirits in thine ear, and chastise with the valour of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round, which fate and metaphysical aid doth seem to have thee crowned withal. Enter a messenger. What is your tidings? The king comes here to-night. Thou art mad to say it. Is not thy master with him? Who wert so would have informed for preparation? So please you, it is true. Our thane is coming. One of my fellows had the speed of him, who, almost dead for breath, had scarcely more than would make up his message. Give him tending. He brings great news. Exit Messenger the raven himself is hoarse that croaks the fatal entrance of duncan under my battlements come you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe top full of direst cruelty make thick my blood stop up the access and passage to remorse that no compunctious visitings of nature shake my fell purpose nor keep peace between the effect and it come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall you murdering ministers wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief come 
thick night, and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark, to cry, Hold! Hold! Enter Macbeth. Great glums! Worthy Cawdor! Greater than both by the all-hail hereafter! Thy letters have transported me beyond this ignorant present, and I feel now the future in the instant. My dearest love, Duncan comes here to-night. And when goes hence? To-morrow, as he purposes. Oh, never shall sun that morrow see! Your face, my Thane, is as a book where men may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the time. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. He that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch which shall to all our nights and days to come give solely sovereign sway and masterdom. We will speak further. Only look up clear. To alter favour ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. Exeunt Act One, Scene Six, Before Macbeth's Castle O Boys and Torches Enter Duncan, Malcolm, Donalbane, Banquo, Lennox, Macduff, Ross, Angus, and attendants. This castle hath a pleasant seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. This guest of summer, the temple-haunting martlet, does approve by his loved mansionry that the heaven's breath smells wooingly here. No jutty, frieze, buttress, nor coin of vantage, but this bird hath made his pendant bed and procreant cradle. Where they most breed and haunt, I have observed, the air is delicate. Enter Lady Macbeth. See, see our honoured hostess. The love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we thank as love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God ill us for your pains, and thank us for your trouble. All our service, in every point, twice done, and then done double, were poor and single business to contend against those honours deep and broad, wherewith your majesty loads our house. For those of old, and the late dignities heaped up to them, we rest your hermits. Where's the thane of Cawdor? We coursed him at the heels, and had a purpose to be his purveyor, but he rides well and his great love, sharp as his spur, hath holp him to his home before us. Fair and noble hostess, we are your guests to-night. Your servants ever have theirs, themselves and what is theirs, in compt, to make their audit to your highness' pleasure, still to return your own. Give me your hand. Conduct me to mine host. We love him highly, and shall continue our graces towards him. By your leave, hostess. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Seven, Macbeth's Castle. O boys and torches, enter a sewer and divers servants with dishes and service, and pass over the stage. Then enter Macbeth. If it were done when tis done, then twere well it were done quickly. If the assassination could travel up the consequence and catch with his surcease success. 
that but this blow might be the be-all and the end-all here but here upon this bank and shoal of time we'll jump the life to come but in these cases we still have judgment here that we but teach bloody instructions which being taught return to plague the inventor this even-handed justice commends the ingredients of our poisoned chalice to our own lips he's here in double trust first as i am his kinsman and his subject strong both against the deed then as his host who should against his murderer shut the door not bear the knife myself besides this duncan hath borne his faculties so meek hath been so clear in his great office that his virtues will plead like angels trumpet-tongued against the deep damnation of his taking off and pity like a naked new-born babe striding the blast or heaven's cherubim horsed upon the sightless couriers of the air shall blow the horrid deed in every eye that tears shall drown the wind i have no spur to prick the sides of my intent but only vaulting ambition which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other enter lady macbeth how now what news he has almost supped why have you left the chamber hath he asked for me know you not he has we will proceed no further in this business he hath honoured me of late and i have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people which would be worn now in their newest gloss not cast aside so soon was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself hath it slept since and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely from this time such i account thy love art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valour as thou art in desire wouldst thou have that which thou esteem'st the ornament of life and live a coward in thine own esteem letting i dare not wait upon i would like the poor cat to the adage prithee peace i dare do all that may become a man who dares do more is none what beast wast then that made you break this enterprise to me when you durst do it then you were a man and to be more than what you were you would be so much more the man nor time nor place did then adhere and yet you would make both they have made themselves and that their fitness now doth unmake you i have given suck and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me i would while it was smiling in my face have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out had i so sworn as you have done to this if we should fail we fail but screw your courage to the sticking place and will not fail when duncan is asleep where to the rather shall his day's hard journey soundly invite him his two chamberlains will i with wine and wassail so convince that memory the water of the brame shall be a fume and the receipt of reason a limbic only when in swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in a death what cannot you and i perform upon the unguarded duncan what not put upon his spongy officers who shall bear the guilt of our great quell 
bring forth men-children only, for thy undaunted metal should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received, when we have marked with blood these sleepy two of his own chamber, and used their very daggers, that they have done it? Who dares receive it other, as we shall make our griefs and clamour roar upon his death? I am settled, and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away, and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide, but the false heart doth know. Exeunt. End of Act One of the Tragedy of Macbeth by William Shakespeare.